What's good, Chiefs Kingdom? Got a good episode coming at you guys today as we got some more news around the league and on the team. Then we're going to do an early defensive breakdown, kind of something similar to what we, do, ah, what we did last offseason. And then we're going to finish off the episode with Mock Draft 3.0. So get ready. Welcome to the Keem Connect Podcast. This is the Kansas City Chiefs Podcast. You're with your host and producer, Eric Lepartis, certified health and performance consultant. I hope Chiefs Kingdom is doing exactly well today. Exactly is what it is because we are the Kansas City Chiefs. We are the fan base of the best football team in the National Football League. So I hope you guys are all doing well. All right, let's get on with the show. We're recording this episode on Tuesday, April 11th. I know it's a Tuesday because I have one more day of work tomorrow, and then me and Cassie are off to Mexico for a wedding slash vacation, so it's going to be a good time. I haven't been out of the country in years, and I, I you really can't even count my time being out of the country like that anyways because it was Canada, so um, <clears throat> anyways, um, the Chiefs made a move uh, earlier, I would say it was like last week, or maybe it was over the weekend, I can't specifically remember, maybe it was on Friday. Um, they signed a uh, receiver, Richie James, from the New York Giants, uh, I think he actually came in with the Minnesota Vikings, I believe so, let me confirm that real quick. I believe that's exactly what he what he did. I apologize if you guys can hear clicking in the background. Okay. I know he's. Let's go to ESPN. He was out of Middle Tennessee. Um, career. Let's go. You gotta go to career stats. Oh, not Minnesota. I apologize. San Francisco. He was in San Francisco for his first three years. Uh, he was a seventh-round pick in 2018. Um, and then he was, I don't know if he was released and just picked up from the Giants. I didn't really do too much follow-up on him. But uh, he's a receiver, not uh, the receiver that a lot of Chiefs Kingdom was hoping for. Matter of fact, to be fair, I did not know who this player was. I don't think a lot of people knew who this player was, and that's that's not a slight to Richie James. It's just let's let's be honest. It's it's the New York Giant. It's the New York Giants receiving core, and like the only person that was good out of them was I mean Kadarius Tony, but he's with us now, ironically, and um, and then they had Darius Slayton, but he dealt with injuries too, and uh, I think they had Kenny Galladay, but again injuries, and same with Shepard. Um. So they they really weren't like a talented uh, receiving core, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get into a little bit about an individual who mentioned that, but I did not like his explanation of what he was trying to say, and he knew exactly what he was trying to say, but he just sometimes he just does this on Twitter, and I don't know why he does it, but anyways, um, <clears throat> uh, there was some backlash uh, from Chiefs fans on this signing because it's it wasn't DeAndre Hopkins, it wasn't Odell Beckham Jr. Which we're obviously going to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. here here in a little bit, but 
this wasn't um, like I said. This wasn't a player that got people were looking for. We didn't even know this guy was even. Again, I think most of us didn't even know he was a player. But even if you knew he was a player, I don't think anybody knew he was on the Chiefs' radar like that. So, um, but they signed him. I let me pull up his his contract details. It really wasn't much. They officially signed him today. I know they did. I saw the Chiefs posted out. Oh, and by the way, Chiefs Kingdom. So I do want to start getting more guests on um, the show. I know I only had did that one episode with Big Rube uh, back in the season when the season was going on. I'm going to get him on again. I finally have my setup of in my my studio, how I got it like put together so I could have good quality because it was not good quality when I talked to him last time and I know exactly what the issue was. So I officially I've gotten that squared away. So um, we're going to what was I going to say? Um, we're going to get more guests on here so we can you know just start having shows better because you know I know you guys enjoy listening to me obviously, but <laughs> at least I hope. But you guys would like to get other people's perspectives on the show. I want other people's perspectives on the show. I mean, there's plenty of cheese podcasts out there. I can shout them all out, but this is my show. I want to start getting my show out there a little bit more. Um, and if anybody who listens to this podcast does anything with social media, um, please hit me up. I would like to, you know, talk to you about something about, you know, potentially getting like, uh, you know, someone to handle the social media for the podcast. Um, just because it's, it's getting a little much, especially conflicting with my own personal work, uh, because I do use social media a lot for my job too. Um, so uh i if anybody is out there who listens to this podcast who's very familiar with you know how to handle social medias very well um and you know you're legit you know shoot me a dm maybe we can talk you can shoot me personally or you can shoot the podcast a dm whichever um anyways they they officially signed him for just a one year deal they didn't they didn't specifically put out like the number that he signed for but i can possibly maybe go to maybe over the cap or not over the cap um shoot uh spot spot track let me go to spot track real quick or spo track richie james let me see if maybe his uh contract posted up on spot track because usually they're pretty quick with their contracts when they No, they just have his year, or they just have the the year. They don't have any of the contract details out yet, so don't have those numbers out. That's fine. Don't really need it at the moment. But I, I don't mind the signing. I mean, he, he it seems like he was just, he's coming in to be pretty much like a wide receiver five, probably take over the um, the Justin Watson role because it doesn't look like they're bringing him back because it. If they did, I think they would have done that by now, unless they're maybe just waiting, you know, after the draft if he's still lingering around. Because I, I get it. I mean, the, the receiving core right now is not it's it, it's not ideal, but I'm I'm very optimistic. As you know, as we've seen, Mahomes work with a lot of, of talent. He look. Let's be honest. 
his rookie year, his official rookie year, the only game he played in the season, he made Albert Wilson look like a pro bowler. Like, and that was his first game starting. And let's be honest, like, I've seen, we've seen plenty of games with Alex Smith. Did he ever make Albert, I mean, he may have made Albert Wilson look really good a lot of times, but it was nothing like that game in my personal opinion. So, um, I don't know why my computer just shut down on me. Uh, but whatever. Um, so yeah, too much backlash. Chiefs Keenum, you guys need to chill out. Uh, this individual who I I really really like in, in person. There's like no beef or anything like that. So there's there's not any beef when I'm when I'm explaining this. <clears throat> but Matt Lane, KC Sports Network. He you know he obviously had his opinion on you know the signing. And, you know, he wasn't fond of it. He said, look, the receiving core and the New York Giants was like, you know, below this average of the bottom of the league. And we now have two receivers from the receiving core. Okay, well, you already know what you're getting with Kadarius Toney. Like that, 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 you know, that doesn't, you know, the only concern that we have right now is not necessarily a talent. It's just a health concern for him. Um, and, you know, I'm despite that grade that stupid grade that came out on the, the, the training staff, I'm willing to put my money on Kansas City's training staff to make sure players are getting done what they need to be getting done. And this play has this this player hasn't even taken an effect. You don't even know if it's going to pan out as a, as a play. We don't we don't know. He could essentially be a, he could be a camp body for all we know. We don't know this. We do not know this at all. So I'm not going to put all my eggs in the basket, but – it does look like maybe he might be that that wide receiver five role. You know, they they need guys to, to sign. You know, before train. You know, before training camp, obviously. And um, they got you know they they got the rookie class that's going to come in after the draft. So they're going to take care of those guys. And then, you know they'll probably have some lingering free agents that might you know swoop around. You know, like just right before training camp when they're getting through those first uh, set of OTAs. So. Um, but no, he, he disagreed with, with the signing and I, and you know, but the way he explained it, he was like basically comparing Daniel Jones to Mahomes and the New York Giants situation to Kansas city situation. And I, I dislike that because I always think talent is obviously talent, but I think, I think talent is also based off situation too, you know? Players, you know, are very talented, but they go to Denver, and I'm only talking shit on Denver because it's Denver, and you know damn well you're you're probably not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're probably going to be second second or dead last in the division, and you got guys like a Jerry Judy who's on that team who's a very talented receiver, but he's on a he's in a bad situation. That's why he will never be like exactly really successful. So when he explained, when Matt Lane explained that, I just, I said that was completely asinine. You're comparing Daniel Jones and Mahomes and the New York Giants to the Kansas City Chiefs. You, you should never do that. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, they're 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 going up. Kafka was was really great to be an OC there. Obviously coming from Kansas City and Dayball being a really great head coach. He won Coach of the Year, um, and he came from you know when he came from Buffalo. So, um. What was I gonna say? It's it's one of those things where you, you can't you can't compare and then make an assumption on on a, on a pick on a signing that hasn't even taken an, an effect yet. I understand we want better. I understand we want to approve, but 
Let Brett Veach cook. I, how many times do I have to say this? I've said this like every episode since the offseason has started, probably even in the last like half of the season. Let him cook. And he's making the right moves. You got to understand, we don't have the cap. We don't have the cash on hand to sign big time free agents like that. You know, we can't have a big time receiver. Like, you know, back then when he had the money to sign guys like Anthony Hitchens, although I didn't like that sign, you know, we didn't like the signing in the long run. Um, and then obviously with Sammy Watkins, but this is a different era. This is a different time. And, you know, Mahomes is still on his contract. They didn't take out all the, the, the money. They didn't convert all the money because they don't want to have to do that. You know, and, you know, they chose not to bring back some guys. They let Harmon walk. They let Juju walk. Um, they, they let, uh, they let Thornhill walk. They let Saunders walk. They let guys walk because they understand where they are, where they are at position, like in positionally. And guess what? Do y'all want Chris Jones signed to a contract? If y'all want him signed to a contract, like, like I do, then you can't, then you can't come out here demanding like a, a big time player. It's just not going to happen. It's just not in the cards for Kansas city. So, you know, and I could be dead wrong. I mean, fuck, he could make a splash move tonight, tomorrow. I don't know. Um, but it, it's just one of those things that, you know, you guys have to understand. We have to take the, the, the moves, the small moves of where they are coming at. It, it worked for us last year. Why can't, it, why can't it keep working? I know you can say, oh, well, you have to change it up or things don't always <clears throat> work a second time, especially in the NFL. Well, I'm willing to bet on it because we have 15. So, stop tripping. You know, he came back at me and said, that, oh, well, you know, you can be objective, blah, 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 but you got to face the fact that this is what it is. I'm like, okay, well, again, you're, you're, you're comparing the New York Giants situation to the Kansas City situation. Now, I'm willing to bet you that it is not the same, that players who come over here and who actually or in try in this environment and try in this situation, try in, the, uh, in Andy Reid's system, they're going to be successful if they are obviously if they're on the team. It's a good environment. You know, I don't know what it's like over in the New York Giants situation. Obviously, like I said, Dayball actually, you know, really, you know, changed that organ, you know, changed the, the flow of things there off the, uh, uh, coming off the uh, Joe Judge regime. And that's where Kadarius Toney was drafted to. So. I'm happy, you know, Brett Veach is doing what he's doing. And Mahomes is too. So, again, this is nothing against Matt Lane. I think he's a good dude. I, I, I like his work with Kent and, um, and uh, Craig over in KC Sports Network. They do it with BJ Kissel. You know, they're the KC Lab guys. Um, but anyway, speaking of Mahomes, Mahomes has been training with uh, the receivers down in Texas. He had MVS down there, Sky Moore. Uh, I, I, maybe John Ross too. I know Justin Ross for sure, uh, because he's been viral. Uh, but I, maybe John Ross. I know there was, uh, other players there. I can't, there's a guy that's on the, the receiving list, but I, I can't remember his name. Um, the one player that I did not spot was Kadarius Tony. I, I, I'm not sure if he was there. Maybe he was. If, if I, if I missed it, I apologize, but I don't think he was. Um, but this is what we love to see. We saw this a year ago. This is what Mahomes did with the receiving core exactly one year ago. And literally, it paid off. It paid off. 
This is how you build chemistry with with receivers, especially when you're getting a new receiving core probably almost every year. Probably. I I don't know. Um, But this is what you love seeing, especially with Sky Moore. I think think it really needs to happen for Sky Moore and Mahomes because I think Sky Moore is going to be that dark horse of a receiver. I, I really, really think he is. He's going to be like that guy that pissed pissed defenses off, like Julian Edelman, like a Wes Welker. He's going to be that guy. I believe it. You know, uh, who who's like that, kind of like that right now in the league? I mean, I'm not going to say Braxton Berrios, but Hunter Winfro, although he's with the Raiders, so he's never going to be successful. Um, like like a player like that. Although Hunter Renfro is a little bit more, I want to say he's a little bit more bigger than Sky Moore, but he's like that slot guy. Um, and I I think Sky Moore is gonna take a, I think he's gonna take a big step this coming this year. I really do. So it's very important. I think obviously MVS being down there, he's the essential. He's the veteran. He's the old guy in the receiving receiving room right now. Um, because I think he's even older than John Ross. Um. So he's the he's the vet. Uh, they they're gonna rely on him a lot, um, and and so is Mahomes. I mean, obviously they're gonna draft. I think they're gonna draft a receiver. It just kind of comes down to whether it's gonna be first or second round. I think it's gonna come out of one of those two rounds though. Um, they're you know Mahomes is gonna obviously have to rely on uh, Valda Scantling's you know veteran leadership to make sure the the young receiving core is just staying where it's at, you know especially if Justin a guy like Justin Ross is gonna get added to the mix as well. But again, it's good to see Mahomes working the receivers down there. Um, he was also you know thrown you know Trey Lance was down there too, and I I want to say another college quarterback. Um, maybe, I don't know if he's entering the draft or he's still in college. I'm not hundred percent sure, but good to see. Good to see. Uh, speaking of receiver, uh, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, Odell Beckham Jr. He officially was signed by the Baltimore Ravens, agreed to a one-year deal, uh, worth 18 million with 15 million guaranteed. Yeah. I think the moment Chiefs Chiefs fans saw that contract, we were like, whoa, thank God we were not in that ballpark. And you know what? To be fair, we were probably that $4 million that he mentioned in his tweets. I, you know, I'm not asking for 20 but I, I'm damn sure not worth 4 And that was probably us. It probably was. And you know what? Brett Veach was like, look, I'm offering this contract. I know you're probably not going to – I know you're probably going to say no. That's – that. you know, we're we're expecting that. But if you want to come and uh, like like seriously come and play for a championship because you know damn well you're gonna at least play in an AFC championship game, then come here to Kansas City and earn your contract, earn your earn your base pay, have a good year, stay healthy, and then you can get a big time contract somewhere else if a team sees fit for you. But nope. Baltimore jumped the gun on that. I, I maybe they're they're thinking it's in hopes to keep Lamar. That that situation's still fishy. I don't know why you go and sign a big time free agent like that to a contract like that when you don't even know if your quarterback is officially staying. Unless I'm a dumbass and the most of the NFL fan bases are dumbasses and don't know what's going on. And Baltimore and Lamar are just kind of playing 
like this pretend patty cake with each other just because they're just trying to give us they're just trying to give narratives out to the league just so the league can just say whatever but i don't see why they would want to do that to themselves but who knows i don't know but kudos to them he's got a, a big time guy so they they can no longer complain that he has no weapons he has mark andrews and odell beckham jr so if he stays and it does not pan out Mm, I can see a situation where, you know, maybe they don't sign. Maybe they just, you know, roll with Lamar on the franchise tag. They don't sign him next year. You know, they they let OBJ walk because he's only on a one-year deal, and then they try to trade Mark Andrews because, uh, which I don't know, if, unless he's gotten paid already. But if he hasn't, then maybe they try to trade his ass because I think he got paid, but if even if even if he didn't then maybe they try to trade him because they don't they don't have the the cap to, to hold on to him but i don't know kudos obj your agent's a, a beast a baller for getting you these these contracts and stuff so um especially coming off two acl tears essentially back to back so kudos to i uh, you know what i'm gonna go ahead and assume that he's with Ro- drew rosenhaus just because drew rosenhaus just he's just that that agent he's just that guy apparently um nfl rule change this was a a week ago i mentioned this in the last episode and i apologize if i didn't mention the specific rule change if i did i apologize for repeating it but we have uh nfl you know is now push now going to have two thursday night games for each team um but there was also a vote on whether or not they can flex one of those thursday night games if they need to and that wasn't an option. Uh, they voted no. I think I think I can't remember what the number was, but just because they're like, no, we care about our fans way too much. We're not going to do that to them because it, yeah, it, it's it's hard, especially when uh, when like a fan had a trip. You know, it, it sucks when you have, especially when you have fans who travel, who are fans that just don't live here in Kansas City. It sucks when they when they pay for their plane tickets, their hotel, their their game ticket. And yeah, you get your refund on your ticket if you don't want to, you know, flex get the flex one. But you know, you the the plane ticket, the the hotel, all that stuff. Like you 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 can't, all that stuff can't change. You know, in last second, you can't change that stuff last second. So it's <clears throat> that's tough. You know, so I'm glad they didn't do that. But I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of Thursday night games in general. The only Thursday night game I like is the home is the season opener Thursday night game that they always make the Super Bowl champ the Super Bowl champs play. Um, so that is the only that is the only game that I care about on a Thursday night. Other than that, I think they should do away with them. You know, the NFL is trying to push for player safety, but yet we want to keep adding more games to them. I get they get paid the big bucks to do so, but I mean players. I've I've talked to plenty of plenty of NFL players and they will t- all tell you that after a game the next day you feel like you've been in a car accident you got hit by a car plenty of times I mean because you got to think about it, these are the best athletes all around the world I mean obviously from high school you taking the best players out of high school at that level and then you're putting them on a college team you know, and then you're taking the best players from college and then you're putting them in the pros, which is a small percent. So I think the biggest thing is, um, oh gosh, um, you, you, you cannot, 
put this much on your on your players. That's why I just do not like this idea of adding a secondary Thursday night game. It's going to cause more injuries. You're going to have more injuries. And I get injuries are part of the game and it's going to happen anyways, but why have why ha- why cause more when you can prevent? <sighs> I don't get it. I I just don't. Um Last night I was in a Twitter space, uh, Chiefs Kingdom Twitter space, uh, Mark Gunnels and uh, Jody, she's a ho- her and uh, Lexi are both hosts of the Kingdom Queens podcast, and obviously you guys should know who Mark Gunnels is, he does stuff with Arrowhead Pride, he's all around, has his shows too, and I, w- I want to say maybe, maybe that was, those were the three hosts, maybe Mac was, I don't know, um, but anyways, they usually host a lot of uh, Twitter spaces a lot. Um, usually with, um, uh, you know, just obviously us fans and just talk about where the subject matter is, but, uh, Tom Bali was in there and, uh, eventually Sean Smith joined eventually, um, Mike DeVito joined, uh, and it was cool just interacting with all of them. Um, uh, one question that was asked of Tom, but that I really appreciated because I was actually going to ask this question, but, I'm not a really big fan of the Twitter spaces. That's why I'm not really in them um, like that. I mean, I'll pop in every now and then just in case. Like if it's like a big – like like any time a pro athlete's in one, I will always join it. But if it's like just like just for whatever, not a big fan of them. Uh, there's too much is going on. You know, you, 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 can't, you can't say what you want to say when you want to say it because only so many people can be on the mic. And then you got to request to be on the mic. And then sometimes people don't want to put you up there because they're not paying attention or they just don't. So it's just, it's sometimes it can be too much for me. Um, but again, like situations like this, I'll, I'll pop in um, them, you know, every now and then. So uh, that was pretty nice hearing from Tombo. He talked about working with George Karloftis. Um, who else? Uh, he talked about just his, you know, memories in Kansas city playing for the team talked about, you know, when, when Mike Vrabel versus got there, how he just didn't want to be there at all. In general, he did, you know, just was unhappy about being in Kansas city in the situation. And, uh, I remember they had said specifically the circumstance that <clears throat> there was a play like, uh, like a lot of plays at some point. Uh, he was, uh, sorry, excuse me, guys, the hockey game, my hockey game just joined on and stuff, so I was wondering what happened, oh no, that's their goalie, sorry, sorry guys, just wanted to see what was going on in the background for a sec, um, but, um, no, he was talking about how Vrabel, when Vrabel did, just did not want to be a part of Kansas City, that he got to a point where he was like, dude, when it would call for him to rush, he is like, nah, I'm not rushing. So I'm just going to, even though it's calling for me to rush, I'm going to drop. So you rush, you know, and he, and he said that, you know, Vrabel set the pillar for him to, you know, he learned from him, you know, he, Tama was obviously drafted uh, the last year of Jared Allen. Um, it would have been nice to see those guys work a long time with each other, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, obviously you got a lot of production out of Tomba just, you know, for who he is. And he's obviously second in sacks just right behind the late, great Derek Thomas. So, um, that, that's nice. You know, just hearing about his favorite plays, he said that, you know, Tom Brady was a you know, favorite guy to sack, you know, that was amazing. He just talked about just his times, 
Um, and just talked about every regime was different that he played for. You know, obviously Andy Reid being, you know, the best just because of, you know, the situation as it is. Um, but things were, you know, obviously, you know, how he probably sees things now, you know, is probably different from 2013. I mean, it's been 10 years. I'm sure Andy has changed in plenty of ways since he's been. I mean, obviously he has. We've won two Super Bowls and, you know, since then. But <laughs> due to 15, him and that's you know 87 95 and all this and that but um yeah no it was just cool to hear from those guys sean smith popped in old defensive tackle that played for us for maybe a year or two i don't remember um but he talked about you know just you know how he you know his role was not to get after the quarterback his role was a space eater he allowed dj to eat in the middle and then he allowed uh, Justin Houston and uh, Tomba to eat on the outside. So, um, and Tomba even said, "Look, look, I I started doing a lot of drop coverages just so I could let let uh, you know Justin, you know, get his get his shine." And, you know, and just they talked about, it and we even said, like, look, if if Mahomes had that defense, and Sean Smith even said, like, look, if Mahomes had the defense that we had, it would have been a no brainer. I think Tomba did say the best defense he played for was probably Romeo's just because he said Romeo allowed them to like basically just call their own defense. Like he said, like they had like their, what they like their set, but he said they had all their checks and all their coverage outs. Like, you know, all their, all their shifts in the D line, all their, this, all their changes that need to be made in the moment. They had all those for every single type of play that they potentially could run. And, he said, and he said, Romeo just had that much trust in us that we he literally just let us cut a call our own defense, and you know it worked a lot of the times, and it sometimes didn't work, you know. So, but that defense was cold. That was a good defense, um, and then <clears throat> obviously Andy Reid inherited it um, because it was still a top five defense. He brought a couple guys with him, but you know, you know, they talked about you know how you know Eric. You know, Eric Berry was the pillar, obviously, in the safe. You know, as the the safety, but he said, uh, Sean Smith said, like guys, it was Brandon Flowers. Brandon Flowers was that guy. I mean, and I remember, I mean, Brandon Carr and Brandon Flowers, like those dudes were cold. I enjoyed having the Brandons, and it sucked that we couldn't we couldn't keep them both. I mean, we I think Carr may have left, maybe Carr left first, and maybe Brandon Flowers left, but they both end up leaving. Flowers gets paid and goes to the Chargers, and um, he gets paid, goes to the Chargers, and then what's-the-name goes to uh, goes to Dallas. So those guys were awesome when they played, and they were just, you know, it's just cool just hearing, you know, all their memories, and then Mike DeVito got his insight, you know, in too, and um Tomba's just a nice guy he's just a calm and cool collected dude you know it, it was nice someone had asked him also why he wore a dark visor and it was just kind of funny how the the conversation started but you know he said like look I when I first got in the league I had LASIK surgery and you know the sun really hurt my eyes and um I uh you know the you know we're red jerseys and anytime trying to see red and bright lights it just hurt my eyes so much so I uh the the dark visor did it and he was a badass in that visor. Now, the face mask was face mask to me was booty because it was Tony Gonzalez's type of face mask. But I get it. I mean it was cool for him because that was like that it looked like a D lineman, you know, I'm you know, I'm coming at you. 
you know, all the damn time, you know, type of look. I remember when, you know, he had his braids before he went bald um, and shit. I mean, he was a badass. He had the sleeves, you know, it was, that was just who he was. You know, he was, the thing about him and Justin Houston, you know, uh, he was the sleeve guy. That was Tama. Tama was a sleeve guy, and Justin was the the no the no gloves, taped wrist, taped fingers, and that was Justin Houston. And those guys had their own thing, and they ate. They ate, man. Uh, someone asked a question that I've always was curious on why Derek Johnson was benched, and Tama's like, "Look, you know what? I we probably will we will never truly know why. You know, Todd was just." And Sean was Sean but so Sean when I was like like Todd was an asshole. Like I'm just gonna go call him. Tom was a fucking asshole. You know, he would you know, fucking Dwayne Bow would score a touchdown and then immediately he's getting screamed at by fucking Todd on the sideline. And he's getting saying that he sucks and stuff like that. Like Todd was just in you know, he was just hard. It was just that situation. And it was. You obviously saw how bad it was. Oh nine oh nine we were we were shit. It was like almost like okay, this is probably gonna be bad again. And then 2010, we make the playoffs, get blown out in the wild card round. Then 2011 is horrible, and he gets fired. Romeo finishes the season out, and then we all know how 2012 played out. But it just you know that that was a bad regime at the time. You know, although that defense was fairly good, they were that was a good defense. The offense was just bad. It just they could not score points whatsoever. And he even said it. He said, you know, he said it straight up that, like, look, if we had Mahomes, we probably would have went to, like, five back-to-back Super Bowls. <laughs> um, you know, they you know, they asked, uh, but back on the Derrick Johnson, he's like, look, I DJ was my guy, but I have no idea why that situation happened. I remember, you know, just seeing him on special teams and, you know, and the shit that they would do to Jamal, too. And they would put Jackie Battle in for fucking Jamal. Like what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And you're 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 trying to play an eighty thousand year old Thomas Jones into the ground, although he did have a thousand yards that year, but so did Jamal. And you know Jamal could have had way more better production, but you wanted to run. You thought, oh, we're gonna run Thomas Jones. This it was just whatever. But um, oh gosh, but that was a good space. It was a good space that you know you know, see the players' perspectives and um Tom Bali, he's you know, I mentioned that he's my he's in my top five favorite Chiefs of all time. So I, I love Tom Bali. Uh alright, so this right here was a little bit crazy. More not even just a little bit, but it was really fucking crazy. Um, and I'm talking about the the Palmers, the Car- Carson Palmer and his brother. I can't remember what his brother's name is, but they were you know on that show, the little QB show, whatever the fuck they have. And I don't know if maybe Cincinnati, since they they played for or since Carson played for them, I don't know if he was like, oh well, I got paid for them, so I'm gonna shout them out or try to make them, you know give them clout right now because you know he went on that show and basically said i believe that joe burrow is the best quarterback in the league because he plays within the system he doesn't do too much he doesn't you know if a player doesn't get open in you know the first time that he doesn't feel like he has to do too much just to get him open the second time you know just saying all these things he's like i think he can do all the things that patrick can do we just haven't seen it yet and that's like he was already talking out of his ass 
but the moment he said that, everybody should turn the video off because you're playing hypothetical. If you're mean to you saying like, oh, I know he can do it, but we just haven't seen it yet. Well, how do you know he can do it then? If you it, it, like, how do you know he can do it if we haven't seen it? It that made absolutely no damn sense. So you know, again, talking out their ass. Everybody on sports media who you know are in their right minds, obviously now, but a year ago, apparently they were all you know drunk and then and then the moment we call them out they want to say no we didn't but now everybody wants to sit there and say oh the chiefs are the real deal and patrick's that guy he's the number one guy and then now everybody was trying to was everybody now was saying like yo i don't know what the fuck y'all talking about you know marcus spears came out and said something a lot of a lot of sports media guys were you know talking about it you know dan Orlowski, like no like and they love burrow they said burrow is probably this like this is the second guy but no, it's it's Mahomes, and and it's not it's not even it's I don't want to say it's like Mahomes. Well, I'm me personally, and maybe it's the bias in me. I believe Mahomes is miles away just because he is like the the things that he can do, Burrow cannot do. I know Burrow Burrow is a really good you know guy in the pocket passer. He has that great pocket presence. I don't care about playing within a system. Guess what? Andy Reid's system allows Mahomes to be who Mahomes is. So if you ask me, Mahomes has been playing within the system since day one. So fuck you, Carson Palmer. You don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. And then you guess what? You get your little fan base, Cincinnati Bengals fan base, all you know, all hyped up because you said that. So you know they they're in their woodworks talking all this shit all week, and they came out the water. We were fucking we were fucking cool for a second, and then all of a sudden they come out the water and start saying shit. And the moment that any Chiefs fan tries to defend themselves or say anything, now all of a sudden we have them rent free in our heads. I'm sorry. But winners don't have people rent-free in their heads. Just as much as a loser may think that and may want that to be a narrative, that's not true. That will No. Why, why would we have anybody in our heads when we're on the top of the world? Makes no sense. It's because Cincinnati Bengals want to be relevant. They want to be there. Like I said, they're like, you know, I said this in this group, they're like that annoying little sibling that just won't fucking leave, leave you and your friends alone that, that just keep thinking, Oh, I, I'm part of this. I want to be involved in this. Get the fuck out of here. And that's how their fan base acts. Their fan base is a bunch of clowns, man. Like I'm not going to even get into what I, you know, I got into with this fucking dumbass on, you know, Twitter today because he let he let he let shit fly over his head. He missed the complete point. So that's basically that whole fan base because they let shit fly over their head. They're delusional, and and then he, but you know reason why he got tweeted at because he had the audacity to say that the Chiefs fan base is the laughing stock of the NFL. I'm like, how how are we the laughing stock when we literally just when the team that we support and root for just won the Super Bowl? That's like saying that New England was a laughing stock. Yeah, they were in a lot of controversial shit. People didn't like them. I wouldn't say they were the laughing stock. People hated them. I'm I'm fine with being hated. We're not the laughing stock though. <laughs> you got your shit completely way you know, way left field, man. That's why I tweeted at your ass. I mean, not that Twitter's real cuz I think Twitter's fake as fuck, but I did. I tweeted at his ass and then he wanted to <laughs> 
completely say something that's completely irrelevant because that's what they are. They're irrelevant fan base and they will continue to be irrelevant. I'm sorry. They will. I I don't think that this success is going to going to sustain a long time. I think eventually uh what's his name? The 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 coach Zach um Zach Taylor. He's eventually going to show his true colors. He's eventually going to show his true colors and they can't keep everybody. They cannot keep everybody. And you're going to face what we had to face because we can't keep everybody. But Cincinnati Bengals, I don't even know why I'm even, you know, giving them clout right now. I just wanted to kind of talk about this little brief stint. Basically, it kind of stemmed from obviously the Carson Palmer bullshit um, because he has obviously no idea what the fuck he's talking about. I don't even think he even believes that. Someone had to pay him say that. <laughs> I know he can do it, but we just haven't seen it yet. You know, you're also accounting for the, you know, his time in college. So if he wasn't doing it in college and he ain't doing it now, I guarantee you he's not going to be doing it moving forward. So whatever that is, I'm sorry that Mahomes, Mahomes doesn't stand in the pocket and take sacks like you guys did. Um, I was gonna say. Well, that's pretty much kind of the news that's kind of been going around as far as the league. Oh, they did come out with like what really happened to. Um, oh gosh, I feel bad. Oh, the quarterback that passed away a year ago. Oh gosh, dang it! I feel so bad that I can't think of his name, and I don't have. I don't really want to look it up to be honest with you. And that's not because I don't care. It's because I just need to. We got to get the show going on. Yeah, I. Oh gosh, quarterback. Drugged. Because it came out that he was drugged. I can't I cannot find his name right now. I apologize. Um obviously the quarterback that would guys draft he was drafted by Washington and then he obviously went to um oh gosh, he went to uh the Steelers, but uh there was a new story that came out about that whole situation. Very tragic, so um hopefully that his family and the people that, you know, his close ones can get the closure that they need, so all right, that's pretty much kind of it for the news around the league. Um, and when we get back, we are going to do our defensive breakdown, and then we got Mock Draft 3.0. good Chiefs Kingdom if you guys like this podcast and like what you're listening to I want you guys to go ahead and give it a five-star rating and a good review you can find this podcast on all your major audio platforms whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify um, you guys can go ahead and follow the podcast only on Instagram and that's at Kingdom Connect 
And then you guys can follow me personally on Instagram and Twitter at Big EKC. That's Big EKC. And like I said, go ahead and give this podcast a five-star rating and a really great review. I appreciate you all. All right, Chiefs Kingdom, and we are back. Um, I actually took a little bit longer of a break because I went to watch the hockey game. Um, I got my lightning on, and they're taking on the Maple Leaves. It's a totally meaningless, meaningless game. They're already in the playoffs. They're actually going to be facing the Maple Leaves in the playoffs in the first round. So um, that should be exciting, but this game is already kind of getting scrummy. They It was kind of some bullshit calls already, so I was you know pretty hyped in that. But it's the end of the first intermission, so now we are back to the pod. Um, we want to do a defensive breakdown, so I'm going to start with the defensive line. Obviously, Chris Jones needs to be paid. Um, we all want him here. I'm hoping that he gets a good contract. I'm hoping we can keep him here uh, long term, just so he can finish his career out. You know, retire as a chief. But he's the motor. He's the engine. He's the guy who makes the defensive line go. Um, I think with Joe Cullen being the defensive uh, line coach. Uh, he he brought a certain mindset, and I think Chris Jones very. I think Chris Jones adopted that mindset, um, and it it elevated everybody else. I think they knew that this was going to be the last ride with Frank, and um, obviously Colin. You know, could have been it was the last ride with him possibly, which it you know ultimately was. So I think the biggest thing was, you know, obviously we were going to they wanted to be great and they were. I mean, they were second in sacks. They they faced the the team that was first in sacks. So <sighs> but you know, this defensive line, you know, you got guys like Mike Dana who's going in his last going into his last year of his contract. He may be a player that says, "Hey, I I want to stay here. I, you know, just pay me whatever." Or they may let him walk. I don't know. I mean, Spags has found a way to utilize Mike Dana in the perfect role. He obviously has the inside-outside versatility. Um, I think with you know him being inside and the times he put Chris Jones on the outside, it, you know, it 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 really worked. And especially when he had Dunlap on the other side. And that's a guy that I hope they can bring back. Um, if if Dunlap does sign, it's not going to be until way after the draft, way after OTAs. It's going to be another signing, like right, right in the middle of training camp. I think, like, I want to say we were in our second week of training camp or going into the second week of training camp whenever we signed Dunlap a year ago. Um, I can't remember, but uh, I think if if we were to get a guy like that, they're going to um, if we they they're going to sign him probably around that time again too. And I've been calling also for Chris Jones' contract to come around July, maybe right after the draft. I hope, I hope that you know it's it's settled. If it, if we're like past like Fourth of July, or like well, I don't say past Fourth. I would say like right before training camp starts. I would, you know, be worried. I think it's going to happen around that time, June, July ish, roughly around there. Um, but if it's going to happen in July, like I'm talking like early July, like, like before training camp. So, um, you got guys like Carl Loftus, he's going into his second year. I expect a better year. He's working with Tom Bali, you know, that, 
that was one of the things that Tomba said in the space last night. He said, I wanted to work with George. I that's just what I wanted. And I think what he's doing with George right now is awesome. They're working on a lot of the, the hand fighting, the you know, the Bra Brazilian jujitsu, because that was the that was the thing about Tomba. It was it wasn't just he wasn't just a, a, a rusher. He wasn't just a, a edge rusher. I mean, it was it wasn't just him rushing like the quarterback, it, rushing to the quarterback. It was and getting past the tackle. It was it was a craft, and I think when when players like especially edge rushers when they when they're able to find it and make it into a craft for them, and that's what Tamba did. He adopted Brazilian jiu-jitsu and started working on a lot of hand fighting and a lot of those techniques and those that that helped him in his game. And that is why you saw him get past a lot of a lot of tackles, and he, you know he would hit him with so many moves, ghost moves, bull like a, like specific bull rushes, you know different spin moves and whip moves and stuff like that. Like it's it's literally like he just he was really good at what he did. And I think if if George Karloftis can adopt some of that, I'm not saying he's going to come out and get like 15 sacks, although that would be nice. Um, I think he's going to get better every year. I think, you know, he ended the year with five and a half, six sacks, I think. Um, I think he's going to probably, he's going to definitely get surpassed that. You know, he's never going to be, I don't think he's ever going to be a 20-sack guy. Um, th although that would be amazing. I would love that. I think we all would. But I think with the way he's built, he's he's that guy that's going to get sacks, but he's going to get them you know, his way. And it may just be like, you know, I believe like maybe eight to eight to, you know, he could very well get 15 one day. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pulling for George to just, just keep improving every single year. That's, that's the biggest thing. And I think he will do just that. Um, you know, you got guys like, you know, Malik Herring, who's just more of a role player, you know, Kando, he doesn't really see the field. He may just be kind of a role guy. They may even cut him, you know, they, they cut Cornell Powell. They might cut him too. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but they, uh, you know, they're, they're going to obviously draft a D lineman. It, you know, it just kind of depends on, you know, what round it, and is it going to be an edge rusher? Is it going to be a defensive tackle? I think if we draft a defensive tackle, I think a lot of chiefs kingdom would be worried. Like I'm talking like early, I think like, for within like first or second round, I think Chiefs Kingdom will probably wor be worried about Chris Jones by that point. And I, and I wouldn't blame our fan base to be worried because why would you be drafting a defensive tackle that early if you didn't, if for some reason that you didn't think so? And maybe, maybe you, maybe you just want another guy to be next to Jones because you know, you know, Chris Jones is, you want, you're paying him, but you know, he's still going to get older at some point. Um, cause I, he's 29, I believe he's either, I think this is, I think he's going to be playing at 29 this year. So yeah, that's, that's what, uh, where he's at. Um, but no, I mean the defensive line, I mean, they, you saw a lot of, you saw a lot of the creativity that Spags did this year with them. And I think that was the biggest thing of why they were able to get sacks. And, you know, we had guys, we had dogs, um, you know, Frank really elevated his game. You saw, you know, him training all off season. I did. I saw him train his trainer. His his trainer did a lot of functionality movements with him. A lot of different performance and plyometric movements with him. That you know, 
that it helped him and you saw I saw there was a different there was a different twitch of Frank not saying that he was all world we know Frank's Frank at the end of the day but you know there was definitely you saw there the the speed that you know and this it, I guess it just comes down to more of an effort thing at the end of the day um but it and not that he was all world because I think he only had like five sacks too five or six sacks um and you know, he, but he contributed to another another Super Bowl, so that was that was amazing. And Saunders, he had a great year. Saunders had a great year. Mike Dana had a great year. Um, obviously, Chris Jones had a phenomenal year. Tied his um, tied his sack record that he already held uh, previously in 2018. But it was Spags, his first year of having a double digit sack guy. Dunlap had like some I don't Dunlap didn't get like his normal like seven to eight like he's been kind of averaging the last few years but you know he was very productive and and, you know the you know there was a lot of sacks that came from the blitz I'm not going to ignore that but you know there was sacks that came from other guys I know majority of it was Chris Jones but there was sacks that came from all over the defensive line um Mike Dana sure loves the the feast on the Chargers that that man just gets Herbert every single time don't know where he gets it from but he does ever since they came in they came in the same year too but I'm expecting another elevation with the defensive line you're obviously going to add a rookie there you're um you're, uh, whether that be an edge rusher which I think it most likely will be an edge rusher and I think they still may draft a D tackle because you kind of need guys. I mean, I know they brought the the. Oh gosh, I already forgot their names. I mentioned them in the last episode, but um, a guy. One of them was a practice squad member, and the other one was uh, he came from some team. <laughs> I'd have to go back. Go, you could go back and listen to the last episode. I have it all in there. I think one of the guys' name is like Co Coward or something like that. Um, but or like in ones like Hayskings or oh, and speaking of the way I. <laughs> Don't know why I forgot uh, the quarterback who passed away a year ago. I don't know why I forgot his name. In the moment that I ended the segment, I literally his name literally hit my you know it was Dwayne Haskins, and uh, that's my fault for not remembering his name initially. And I was I was trying to find it, and I just didn't want to just type in quarterback who passed away a year ago. That was pretty vague. That's that doesn't give me that probably wouldn't give Google. Google probably been like, uh, okay, we're just going to pull up all the quarterbacks that died within like the last like 10 years or something like that. I don't know. But, and not to, I'm not making fun of the situation, but I'm just saying like, I just did not remember his name and now I do. Um, but yeah, Dwayne Haskins, again, there was more a report that kind of came on in that situation, which is pretty, pretty scary to think about and kind of crazy. Um, I'm not going to speculate too much on that. But back to what I was saying, I think the D-line, um, if you add you add another young a young couple young uh, young players, another edge rusher, another defensive tackle, then I believe that Chris Jones, Carl Loftus, Mike Dana and, you know, bringing in maybe bringing back Dunlap, maybe maybe another guy. I don't know if they make a big trade, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I think I think this D-line is going to continue to eat. Uh, the way that Joe Cullen works with them, I mean, like I said, moving them all around. You saw Chris Jones playing five. You saw Chris Jones playing a lot of, you know, obviously his basic three-tech or, you know, a, a two-eye or, you know, four-eye and stuff. You know, he was shading a lot <clears throat> over the tackles and stuff. There, there was some head-up, you know, s- situations. Um, but, you know, he was more shaded over uh, a lot and – 
you saw the um you saw the uh the the uh, the twist stunts and you know the crossing crossing stunts and stuff and it was it was amazing and and you know Chris Jones he's not just a bull rusher he has moves to his game too um and you know just the way that they ate in the Cincinnati when we played Cincinnati Bengals AFC Championship that was I mean, that was a fucking phenomenal game from our defensive line. I mean, the defensive line played phenomenal all all playoffs long, you know. But that was that was a phenomenal showcase from them too. All right. Um, and like I said, they they move um, <clears throat> Mike Dana a lot around, and then Karloftis played a lot of inside too. Uh, and I I just that's what Spags does. He loves to rotate his D linemen. That's what he's always done. Even though Sean Smith did say in the space last night, I'm not a fan of him. I'm not a been never been a big fan of Spags and what he does, but he just figures out how to get it done in the big game. So I applaud him. Um, and and you know I've I've mentioned my you know my thought process on Spags at times. I think there's a lot of times where it's like, man, what are you doing? Why are you zero blitzing? You know Joe Burrow and stuff. Why are you doing this? And <laughs> but you know that's just him at times. And he saw you know Frank Clark dropping in a coverage, going past the sticks. It was fucking funny in the Jacksonville Jaguars. He saw him covering Christian Kirk. It's like what is he? What are you doing? But uh, it's almost like giving me Sutton vibes, like dropping Justin Houston, making Justin Houston covered Le'Veon Bell. I was like, what are we doing here? Or Antonio Brown, whatever the case was. <sighs> But you know that's the spags. He's gonna he's gonna do that stuff. He loves to be exotic, and that's just what it's always been. But we've won two Super Bowls with him, and he loves his D line to feast. Um, linebackers, obviously, with the addition of Drew Tranquil, I think they you know they let Darius Harris walk. He you know served his time here, but um, he you know he may come back and be a practice squad guy. But uh, Drew Tranquil, he. Um, you know him being added to the room that's going to obviously elevate them and and I and I said this I I don't think he's just going to automatically just take over for Nick Bolton because that's just you know you know who Spags is Spags puts the guys out there that he trusts and it's not that he doesn't trust Tranquil and he knows that Tranquil's played a lot of snaps but he knows Nick Bolton knows that he knows he get 100% knows that Nick Bolton knows his defense he doesn't know that Drew Tranquil knows his defense, and they're gonna find out through camps and OTAs, and you know what things are. And it's not that he's not gonna play; he's gonna play a significant role. I mean, you don't just grab a guy who plays almost a thousand snaps at every, you know, at whatever position that he played in, you know, in the Chargers' defense. Mike middle safety, I don't know what it was. They played dime safety or you know nickel linebacker, um, you know, you know whatever whatever the case may be. You know, he's going to come over and get significant snaps. You know, Leo Chanel should be, you know, elevated for another year. Um, but he's, you know, he was more of a role player. He was a he was a base guy. He was only a base guy. You know, he played Sam and they would, uh, you know, in the, the 14, 4 3, you know, over unders. Uh, or, you know, he was always, you know, shaded over and, you know, playing like kind of like that. Um, or they overhanged him a little bit, you know, kind of almost like a, a rush Sam uh at times and it worked he saw him you know rushing off the edge at times it was pretty cool to see but then they stacked him mostly um playing like that true sam and a f true four three 
But again, just the role guy because you're not going to ask him to cover. Although there was some plays that I saw him in coverage, and it, it, you know he was not like he was in bad position. He was in actually really good positioning. Like when he had Dallas Goddard in the Super Bowl, that was really good positioning. He just just Gall- Dallas Goddard just made a better play. Willie Gay. I mean, some people keep saying this should not really be a you know a, a like signing Drew Tranquil should not be a slight to Nick Bolton. It's more of a slight to Willie Gay. I don't think it's a slight to Willie Gay at all either. I think they just you know Willie Gay is going into his last year of his contract, and you know maybe Brett Veach is not the type of guy to pay linebackers. Maybe he's just like, look, I paid a linebacker one time, and it was the biggest mistake I've ever done. Um, probably because I, I will be honest, you know, people say that Frank Clark's contract handicapped the, the chiefs. I think Anthony Hitchens contract handicapped the chiefs more than anything. And people do not realize how much that contract really screwed a lot of things up to do. But, um, I think, you know, there are, they most likely might not pay Willie Gay, uh, and they'll let him just, you know, finish out his last year. I don't, you know, probably what most likely will happen. Nick Bolton, you know, if it, we all just know Nick Bolton is probably just going to continue just to elevate his game. He, you know, you just, you feel like the ceiling there is still not there. Um, you know, the floor, we've already seen where the floor is, but the ceiling, you know, we, I just, I feel like it's still, it's still, you know, he's still climbing. And you know he's going into year three. I think he he really he really had developed more in year two, although people probably think he was more flashier in year one. I think that you know just letting him free flow made him feel like he was more flashier because Anthony Hitchens had a man and had to command the defense, but now he commanded the defense this year not only in nickel base but he also did in dime too. And I think that will continue to be the role. But what I think will happen is I think that they're going to probably have a situation where they know Drew Tranquil is built like a safety, like he's a hybrid, and we know he can cover. So I want, I'm want i going to want a bigger body out there that I know can move. I'm still going to have Nick Bolton run the dime linebacker, but we're going to have Drew Tranquil come in and play the dime safety where Daniel Sorensen played like the 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 buck or whatever it was but just the dime the dime safety although they've you you saw a lot of Justin Reed in that that spot and I think if they want to go a little bit smaller if they're running more heavier DB sure um or if you run or if you're just rushing three which you saw at times with uh at with Spags you know he he started adopting the three man rush and dropping eight in the coverage um, I could specifically remember playing the Jags. I don't, I think, it, or maybe it was the Rams. It was a regular season game, but they rushed three. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was the Rams. Yeah, they rushed three and, uh, Nick, Nick was, uh, covered, covering, um, he was coverage. Willie Gay was playing the, uh, man spy. So that was the two linebackers. You had, uh, LJ Sneed at the nickel, and then you had uh, Justin Reed playing the dime safety. Then you had um, uh, your, I think maybe Williams was in at the time, and McDuffie playing the boundary, uh, the boundary corners. And then you had uh, uh, your the two split safeties, uh, and Thornhill and Brian Cook. So that was more of the rush three, kind of like a like a modified quarters. 
um, in a way like a quarters, like a modified quarters coverage with eight, eight into coverage, almost maybe cover eight. I don't fucking know. Um, they, with the three man rushes and you're dropping eight, there's just so many things you can do with that. Um, but I think, uh, what was I going to say? I think with Drew Tranquil, I, I, I really believe they might make him play that dime safety if they want, you know, him in there and then they want to keep like, uh, Justin Reed and Brian Cook back as the, 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 the split safeties. Um, and I think that could work. That that very well can work. Um, it would almost, you know, you can probably almost call it nickel because he is considered still a linebacker. Um, but I I think they, you know, they'll probably have him play out more in space. Uh, you know, on that second receiver, you'll have you'll see him, you know, playing, you know, kind of more off ball uh, if he needs a drop into the flat, depending on the the look. So, um, th- there's going to be a lot of different roles, you know, you saw, you know, them blitzing Willie off the edge. You saw, you know, a lot of a gap blitzes, um, it, it, you know, Spags will, you know, he'll occasionally send a linebacker, uh, you know, every now and then, but I think you, he likes to send DBs more, but he'll occasionally, you know, shoot Willie, uh, to, you know, Willie will have an open lane to rush. You saw that in the Chargers game. Uh, there was a, a, a stunt and then they had a wide open lane and Willie was a free rusher and he lit Justin Herbert up. Um, that's what you like to see. And Nick Bolton actually had a, a, I can recall in the Colts game, there was a couple a gap blitzes and he, you know, had sacks and that was, that was amazing to see too. So, um, I, I think moving Brendan Daly to linebackers was probably the best thing. Um, not the slight to Brandon Daly on covering the, 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 the D line, but I, you can say, you can tell that I think we needed more of that type of flow that Brandon Daly, cause Brandon Daly was a loud voice, but I think you needed more of his flow with the linebackers. Um, and it obviously look, Nick Bolton was second in league in total tackles. Not that like having the most tackles in the league is like everything in the world, but that that that's like you were around the ball all the time, no matter where where it's at on the field. Um, you know, he had two picks this year. He had a couple sacks. I think he was snubbed for Pro Bowl. I'm not saying he had to be an All Pro. I just think he was snubbed for Pro Bowl. Um, hold on, guys. Sorry, one second. Okay, I apologize. There was a, I had to look over for a second. There was a fight in this hockey game. It's pretty intense right now. Um, in the second intermission, so, um, but I got to finish this episode out with you guys. I'm not going nowhere. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the linebackers they they're gonna you know they're gonna continue to flow. I think Nick Bolton's gonna be elevated. I think Willie Gay may even have a better year just because it's a contract year for him. I'm not saying that contract years are everything, but they are. You know, and let's be honest. I mean, Thornhill, this was a pretty decent year for him. I mean, he was really good in coverage. Um, you know, I'm not on the linebacker, but line, I'm not on the DBs yet. But you know, Thornhill, I'm only saying that because he was only he was in his last year, and you know, he had a pretty decent year. So I think Willie Gay might have a decent year next year, just so 
you know, if he wants to stay with Kansas City, they may offer him like, you know, a two year cheap extension or, you know, he may earn a contract somewhere else. Um, I think I think we all want Willie Gay to be like that that guy, but it's just it's it's literally you, he just shows it time and time again. There's the there's the he overshoots a lot of things at times. You know he over pursues or you know he'll run away from his zone way too way too early um, when he didn't doesn't need to. And then there's wide open you know wide open splits, and you saw that you saw like across the middle there were still yes thank God they scored. Sorry, sorry, you guys. I had to see what that was, see what was going on. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you saw that still in the middle of the field. So I think maybe with adding Drew Tranquil, you know, you could have when you're running, you're like probably dropping in like a Tampa two or something like that, and you're having the linebacker dro- do that deep, deep middle read. Um, that could probably be a Drew Tranquil role because he could probably be better in in covering the middle of the field, so they're not splitting the DBs and the linebacker zone. So, all right, on to the defensive backs. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, Legereus Sneed. Um, there's been some uh, talks about um, going around, like people were talking about, like, oh, they may trade him because they don't want to pay him. I, You know, here's the thing. I, I, I'm not saying that he's here as long as Spags is here. I think Spags generally enjoy. I think he loves having Snead here. I think it was different with Tyron, obviously because you saw you saw the last year of Tyron. It wasn't the first two years of Tyron, although you know he still had some good production. He just you know wasn't the first two years of Tyron. He was getting older, but you know with Snead um, being at the you know he him still being a young player, you know oh this is getting really chirpy right now. Really chirpy right now. I love it. I love it. These guys are going to see each other in the playoffs. He's out. Oh, it's two. Oh, that's that's Shen. Yep, he's done. If that's if that's Shen's second fight, that he's done. Um. So, uh, sorry guys, it's 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 intense. Like. I finally realized why hockey fans love this love this sport and I I'm glad I've got into it. It is so fucking cool to watch. All right, but back onto the defensive backs. I I I think, you know, the way that they utilize Snead, I mean, he he is a captain. He's he's now the now he is officially the old guy in in the the secondary. Thornhill's gone. He is the old guy in the secondary they traded away Fenton a year uh, last year so um you know I think with him going into his last year maybe maybe he might maybe he might be one of those players where he doesn't maybe he might be like I don't need all the money in the world he seems like that type of guy but based off how I you know I I you know how he talks how he you know he you know reacts you know and again I don't know him personally I don't you know I don't know the guy I'm just going off what I've seen of him I'm I'm hoping that Snead stays because I love Legereus Snead you know he's not always the best in coverage but what they ask him to do he's always around the ball he's always superb on his tackles you know he just he has a knack for certain things you know he's really good at blitzing. It just I I love Legarius Need, but if they can't keep him, I totally understand. You know they let Traverius Ward walk. 
And that's just, you know, what it is. Um, but no, I think the, the secondary is going to be elevated in, um, the secondary is going to be elevated in so many ways this year. Cause McDuffie, he showed who he really is. And I think he's going to have a great year in second year. And the only guys that, you know, I may worry a little bit, it might be Joshua Williams and, you know, Jalen Watson, maybe for them going into a sophomore slump, just because they were fourth and seventh round picks. I'm not saying they are. I hope they aren't. I actually saw a video of Joshua Williams uh, training, you know, and I, I really hope that, um, you know, that obviously that doesn't happen, but um, I think I think those guys will be fine. They would just be the only two that I would think would be the ones to have a sophomore slump, essentially. Um, Brian Cook, maybe, but I think, I think Brian Cook, you saw, you saw who Brian Cook is going to turn into. Um, they may even utilize him a lot in dime too. You know, I mentioned, uh, Drew Tranquil, you know, even though he's a linebacker, you know, if they, I still think if they, if they want to go heavy, I can see a circumstance where if they want to go heavy, but they want better coverage, they have, uh, Drew, if they're running like a, more of like a big nickel, you have, uh, Drew Tranquil, um, Nick Bolton dropping back. And then you have, um, you have, uh, oh gosh, uh, Brian Cook also playing that, playing that box, box role. Um, so you have, uh, more coverage, but you have, you know, guys who can still, you know, come in and play, you know, play, uh, the box a little bit and play up closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, I was going to say, um, but w- w- what Spags likes to do with the safeties, I mean, I th- he he prioritizes his safeties a lot more than he does his cornerbacks. Not that he not that he doesn't love his corners. He wants his corners to be a certain you know a certain uh, way. But I think he really prioritizes his safeties because you know he rotates them more. He likes to run that like triangle. Uh, it's like almost like a, you know, he like it's like a cover show cover three, but we're going to, you know, drop into a cover six or, um, you know, maybe show two drop into a cover four. Um, you know, they man, you know, they they man up, um, they, you know, they play so many different roles. Uh, you saw Justin, you know, playing, you know, deep with the, the two deep split safeties or you saw him playing the close to the box. Brian Cook, same way. Thornhill occasionally came up close to the line of scrimmage, you know, every now and then. But Thornhill was that rangy guy. You really don't, you're really not seeing a lot of uh, center field safeties anymore. You know, I think teams are shying away from that traditional cover, the cover three look, which basically leaves a, a, a basically a center fielder. And the last like center field safety that I think was like really really good was Earl Thomas. That's the last like guy that I can really remember that was decent that was really good at that position. But when he went to Baltimore, uh, I mean, mm, I mean they had a good year that first year, but I just I don't know. I think that he was pretty much kind of getting washed at that point. It wasn't like his Seattle days. But uh, you're you're seeing teams kind of shying away from that, and you're just seeing more too deep split safeties, just because it's you know this this is a pass heavy league. You can do more with that. You can have those guys cloud more with your corners and your linebackers. So um, it's just easier to do that. But again, Spags he's going to rotate his guys and move them around. Uh, I I think they do take a safety in the draft this year because I mean you have you. Well, you know what? No, they 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 picked up Mike Edwards. I forgot about that. 
Uh, Mike Edwards is going to be a guy that's going to play a lot. You know, he played significant snaps in, um, and uh, what was I going to say he played significant snaps in uh, uh, Tampa. You know, I can see a situation where they're dropping Brian Cook into the box and they have Mike Edwards and uh, Justin Reed playing deep. Um, or, you know, I think Edwards is probably going to play deep more than anything. I don't think he's going to play any form of um, – I don't think he's going to play any form of um, – what am I going to say? Uh, <clears throat> box roles. I mean, he could. He's played some box. I mean, they can blitz him for sure. I can, I can see it because Spags will do it. Um, but I, I see him playing deep a lot more. So as far as corners go, I make, like I said, McDuffie, I think he's going to be elevated. Uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to be that guy that, you know, he's not going to get a lot of picks, but he's always going to get PBUs. He's always going to lock his guy up, you know, and I think that's going to ultimately make him, you know, he could, he could very well be a pro bowler next year. I would not put it past that He'd very well be a pro bowler next year. And I'm hoping that that continues to elevate Williams and Watson's game. Those guys are your bigger body corners. You saw you though you saw those guys get the interceptions because those guys can hang with the bigger receivers, and they're physical too. They're very physical, and um, with what Sneed with Sneed there too. Sneed is a very physical player because he plays just he's just a ball player. Um, you know he just does it all. He's a DB. Um, <clears throat> but you know he's a DB with that attitude that like look put me wherever coach and I'm I'm just I'm gonna eat and and you need that guy to command that secondary next year and, and merit merit's one of the best and he gets those guys ready every single time every single time um I was gonna say well that's that's pretty much kind of my defensive breakdown it's it's a it's a pre draft pre camp breakdown it's not really anything i'm not going too deep into their you know what spags loves to do i'm just kind of throwing out basic things of what i think you know how players i might see their roles next year um kind of my early prediction because we still got the draft i mean we're going to see more defensive players getting added to this um and that's going to have me make me have another uh break defensive breakdown remember last year i I did the position reviews. We're obviously going to do position reviews, and that's going to be during camps and stuff, um, right before the season, you know, starts. Because, you know, we, you know, we're going to need to review all those guys, you know, and what I, you know, what we start seeing out there, um, you know, what their roles will be, because uh, you're going to see a lot of guys coming in. You're going to see different, you know, you know, with guys exiting from the team, you know, this year. You're going to see different different roles for guys in the D line. You're going to see different roles for the guys in linebackers. You're going to see got different roles of guys in the secondaries. Most the same roles, but added roles. And then obviously the newbies when they get in there too. So, oh, we have mock draft 3.0. Um, I got to get that going. I apologize for stalling, but that was kind of. Uh, I just wanted to kind of chat with you guys a little bit longer um, because, you know, it's the off season. There's, there's really not a whole lot to talk about. I think once the draft is here, which it will be here very soon, I think that um, that's what we're all really not, uh, looking forward, looking towards. So um, once we get there and know who, we, who we're drafting and then we'll kind of make our own breakdowns and our predictions and our takes moving forward, all the podcasts, all the sports analysts, every, every single last one of us. 
Um, all right, so this is Mock Draft 3.0. Um, I use the the NFL Mock Draft database um, because I don't use PFF anymore. I'm not paying for it. Um, but this is the first one I did a, a legit trade. I traded with the New York Giants. I gave them a fourth and a fifth round pick and pick 31 to move to pick 25. They accepted it. Um, and I drafted Darnell Wright, offensive tackle out of Tennessee, to solidify the right side of the offensive line. And that's literally that, that I would love that. I mean, we all know who Darnell Wright is. He's moving up draft boards. If I, he's not going to be there at 31, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, Cincinnati thinks they're going to draft him. Uh, I don't – I mean, it just all depends on where he falls. Um, if he was there at 31, I can see the Chiefs taking him just because, like, why not? Uh, they're going to obviously just do best player available, you know, depending on where they got guys on their boards. But I think Darnell Wright would be perfect for this offense. He's nasty, and, you know, him and Trey, you know, Trey Smith have, like, I think they played one year together. So, uh, you know, that there's going to be chemistry already there. Um, and then, you know, they're going to, obviously, since Tennessee, they have the Tennessee roots, it's, you know, it's just only going to make that right side even more dangerous. Um, but, yeah, I took Darnell Wright at pick 25. Um, on to pick 63, I didn't make any more trades at this point. Um, I took Keon White, edge rusher out of Georgia Tech. He's kind of getting some, uh, you know, coverage right now. I can see Spag grabbing a guy like that. He's huge. I mean, he's like six, six, five, like almost like two, like two eighty. He's he's big guy, huge. Um, and you know that's what Spags likes. He likes those players almost like uh, I want. He's almost built like a tunnel passing yo. And that scares me because those are, to me, those are prototype guys. Those are just guys that you're going to try to develop. And I I hope he's just not a guy that just, you know, he's still lingering around where they feel like they have to take him. I would rather take, like, a Felix um, uh, um, and a DK Nzama. I would rather take him or, uh, or a guy like, um, oh, gosh. Uh, well, Will McDonald's been getting a lot of cloud, but he's an he's an he's an outside linebacker. We're not getting him. And Joe Cole, they're not changing the philosophy. They're going to get guys that are built like you know built. Well, and you know what? Maybe maybe they want a guy like built like Frank Clark. And Frank Clark did play a little bit lighter this year, you know. But he still you know still put his hand in the dirt. I think they still want those guys that can still do that. Play a little bit more with power too. Um, but I took Keon White just just cause uh, I can I would hope that they would probably take uh, Foskey or like a Derek Hall over over like a Keon White, but those guys weren't available. Keon White it was either Keon White or Will McDonald, which I'm shocked that Will McDonald was still there. But I wasn't taking him. I didn't want him. I wanted you know I wanted I actually wanted Isaiah Foskey, but he was already nabbed and. So I just settled with Keon White. So we took him out of Georgia Tech's pick 63, Keon White. You're not Kansas City Chief. Um, pick 95 um, is I took Marvin Mims, receiver out of uh, Oklahoma. He's very talented. Would be nice addition to this wide receiver room. And, and guys are, you know, and if this is how it's going to be, those, those type of players are in the third round. You know, if you can wait to the third round and get those type of players and wait to the third round. 
we don't need to you know like they there there's reports coming out saying that there's only really a couple players that are really getting viewed as a first round talent that's JSN um Jackson Smith and Jimba and then Quentin Johnston and that's you know and those guys you know Johnston is kind of falling you know, if he's there at number one, they may take him. I don't know. But they may see the value and probably taking, you know, the other guys first. Like going defense first before they go offense. But if Marvin Menz is still there at 95, they may take him like I did. All right, pick 134. I took Zach Pickens, defensive tackle out of South Carolina. I really like his game. Uh, more addition to the defensive line room. Another defensive uh, edge posi- uh, line position I took at pick 166. I took... Ollie Gay, edge out of LSU. Um, he's a big guy. Uh, I would, you know, I I can definitely see him, you know, fitting a role in like Spags' defense. Uh, and he's, I think he's, I think he's gonna be taken around that, you know, that point too. So, um, to pick two seventeen, I took uh, Trey Dean, safety out of Florida. I've mocked him a few times already, uh, so you guys already know. Um, and then I took. Uh, Cameron Brown, uh, cornerback out of uh, Ohio State. Um, I really haven't looked up too much into his game yet. I still need to, but I took him because, you know, he just was the, the best corner available at the time. Um, and then with the last pick, I took linebacker Aubrey uh, Miller Jr. out of uh, Jackson State. And I think they, I think there's a trend. I think they may start want to get, like, all these uh, guys that came, came out of HBCUs um, just because there's talent there. So um, that's why, you know, maybe they would take this guy. Um, he obviously took Joshua Williams in the fourth round. But, um, you know, if this guy is still lingering around at, you know, with in the seventh round, I mean, why not? You know, I know Ivan Pace Jr. has been kind of a fan favorite, but I don't think we're getting Ivan Pace Jr. We don't need Ivan Pace Jr. in this defense. You know, Aubrey Miller, again, he would just be a special teamer. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're bringing Jack Cochran back. Maybe they did already. Uh, maybe they already did. I can't remember, but so yeah, that's, that's pretty much, uh, what I'd do. Um, I'd take a linebacker in the seventh round. So, and maybe they might take another running back for sure. Um, I think they will probably take another running back in the seventh round just because why not? Um, and you, you just don't want Pacheco just, you know, wear tearing down, you know, right then and there. And, you know, you haven't re-signed McKinnon, and you don't know what's going on with that, even though he's actually tweeted out that he feels disrespected. And I don't blame him. I mean, he's still got a lot of talent in this game. He might be older, but he's still got talent. Um, we obviously saw that the last couple of years. But I would love to bring him back, though, too. All right, that was Mock Draft 3.0, and that's going to go ahead and do it for this segment and pretty much the episode in itself. Hope you guys all enjoyed that. Uh, like I did, uh, we talked about all the stuff around the, the, the team and around the league, um, and then we did the defensive breakdown, and we did Mock Draft 3.0. Uh, there was something else that I was going to mention to you guys. I cannot remember now. This is what I hate. This is what I hate, and I cannot remember what I was supposed to write down. But oh well, it doesn't matter. Well, I'll try to get it out on the next episode if I can remember. But um, hope you guys all have a great rest of your evening. That's gonna go ahead and do it for the show. I appreciate all you guys, Chiefs Kingdom. And with that being said, the connect is always real. <laughs>